You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to Into It from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. And I'm joined this episode by dear friend of the show, with multiple appearances, Alex Abad-Santos. We're going to make a little sense of the week in pop culture. Alex is a senior correspondent at Vox, and he writes about, quote, what society obsesses over. Alex, welcome. Hi, <laughs> Sam. This is your third time with us? It's third, it's third, third time's the charm. Hopefully, there you hopefully go. we got it this time. We got it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> yes. So, Alex, we have three things to talk about this week. The Flash hits theaters this weekend, and it's DC's attempt to remake its own cinematic universe. Right. To, like, compete with Marvel. We'll also discuss a new show on HBO that's an extension of the Sam Levinson universe. It's got The Weeknd and Lily Rose Depp, and it's called The Idol, and I think it's horrible. And then a discussion of Ultimatum Queer Love, this truly unhinged reality dating competition show that proves that lesbians can be just as awful as everybody else. Happy Pride. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. So before we talk about all of these topics, I have a simple question for you. Of these three things, the movie The Flash the HBO show The Idol, and the Netflix reality show Ultimatum Queer Love, which would you F, which would you marry, and which would you kill? Oh my gosh. Go quickly. Come on, go quickly. Oh, I would F The Flash, um, probably (laughs) kill The Idol, and then marry Queer Love, because I feel like Queer Love is like the least... L- the least harmful out of all 
<laughs> Although that's a low bar. Yes, yes. <laughs> the bar, the bar, bar is subterranean, but like yes. it's 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 messy and it's like fun and it's the, the consequences are so low on it, right? There Whereas like with the other stuff, you're just like, do we really want the discourse and everything else that's happening with the other yeah. stuff? Like you could just mindlessly love like ultimatum, and it's also. I mean, it's part of that Netflix, I guess, uh, brain trust and hive mind of just like dystopian dating shows. And I Listen, like I love Netflix's those. secret sauce is really crappy reality shows. That's what they do best. I know. Like if if you were like if you were to charge the American public, like if Netflix was really really smart, they'd be like, okay, if you want to pay a premium for our like our dystopian dating shows where no one <laughs> no one ever gets married, everyone <laughs> hates each other by the end, we would pay. That we would definitely I, like. Definitely. I don't. I don't need another like Scorsese film. I don't need any of those. I just need Netflix to give me terrible, terrible dating shows. Damn. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We will talk more about Netflix in a bit, but we have to talk. We have to start off with a discussion of The Flash. This is a new superhero movie coming out this weekend, and it has a lot writing on it. So The Flash is supposed to help give DC Comics its own multiverse in the spirit of Marvel's multiverse. But that might not happen. I think there's a ton of drama with the lead actor. We'll talk about that. But to start, what is this movie about and who exactly is The Flash? <laughs> is that, that's so big. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if we're going from like the very beginning, like the, the, the simplest explanation, I think you got it, was The Flash is basically their attempt or their Warner Brothers and DC Comics attempt to reset its superhero universe, right? Because yes, and we should say DC superheroes include people like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. Right. Those are all DC comic figures. And DC, for the longest time, has been kind of second fiddle to Marvel because Marvel has built out this cinematic universe in which every movie is related, so everyone has to see all of them. And we know that for the last 15 years or so, it's just been Marvel movie after Marvel movie after Marvel movie. And now DC wants the same thing? I mean, DC has always tried to do the same thing, right? Like okay. they've, they, they've kind of followed, like they saw like what Marvel was doing or Warner Brothers saw what Marvel was doing. And they were like, well, what if we did the same thing? And it's just like, and what you'll notice is that like the DC superheroes are people that we know. They're, they're A-listers, right? Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, otherwise known as the Trinity in comic books, right? Like yeah. they were much bigger we than, them. like yeah. know, no one knew who Iron Man was. No one knew who Thor was, but everyone knew who Wonder Woman was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years so, ago. Yeah. So then what happened? Why hasn't DC built its own multiverse yet if they have the bigger superheroes? Sam, the movies are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. So I think like when, like, what happened like after like the Christopher Nolan like Batman stuff, right? Like that those is regard- great. Those those, th- are, those great. are regarded as like the best, like the very peak of I guess superhero movie storytelling. But Bes- like mm-hmm. before Black Panther came along, before all those before Marvel came along actually too. It was just like this was like this was the bar. And then yeah. th- then they got like Man of Steel, which was like fine. It was it was Zack Snyder and it was his vision of like this gritty and I think that's where you got this whole idea of like a gritty superhero like we like DC w- couldn't exist in pop culture if it was like squeaky clean the way it is in the comics so in the movies huh. it was just like let's go for something grittier let's go for something a little bit more uh 
I guess, murdery. And Way. so I guess like what you see is you get a lot of hits and misses. Like you get Batman versus Superman, you get Justice League, which was a stinker. And then like, but in Justice League, that's where we get the Flash, who is actually kind of like a big deal in comics because he's like the fourth guy out. Right. Like it's like it's like Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and then it's the Flash. And the Flash. Right. Okay. And the Flash, his superpower is that he can travel faster than the speed of light. Right. <laughs> okay. Super speed. And he's so, basically a yes. cheat code. He's he's okay. he could do like any he could do anything. I mean, theoretically, in the movie, it establishes that this guy can move faster than the speed of light. And once you move that fast, you break time. And once you break time, you can go back. You can do anything. Right. Okay. So then this character, The Flash, with this movie, The Flash, is supposed to be the thing that jumpstarts the DC comic universe, gives DC a multiverse, and finally helps it really compete with Marvel. All of this sounds great, (laughs) but... The person playing the Flash is full of drama, and that might jeopardize the launch of this movie. I'm talking about Ezra Miller. Who are they, and what's their drama? (laughs) The drama is that Ezra Miller is extremely talented. Um, Perks of being a wallflower, uh, also in The Fantastic Beasts, uh, also another controversial franchise. Um, yeah, but their personal life is just peppered with legal trouble, basically law enforcement stuff, uh, lots of run-ins with law enforcement, lots of charges about like being arrested for abuse, arrested for trespassing, and then also like this vaguely like accused of like kind of maybe or maybe not starting a cult <laughs> with yeah. like, underage so people. Yeah, I've been like I've been reading these stories for over a year, but it's been issue after issue after issue for a while why is dc still letting this person lead the film after all of that i mean i i think what no one is saying and what the story is is that there's a lot of money at stake so Mm. basically back in october james gunn and peter safran were the head were appointed like the heads of warner brothers dc comic book universe like basically they're Mm -hmm. the kevin feige of dc and they Mm -hmm. just they were like here are all the movies that we're doing and they basically scrapped uh everything right every like gal gadot's gone uh ben affleck's gone henry cavill's gone those are the i'm fine with all of that i'm fine (laughs) with all of that let me tell you who's not my favorite actor gal gadot (laughs) i'm sorry right um but the Flash and Ezra Miller were still on board. And so was Jason Momoa's Aquaman. And so you have these movies coming out that basically almost have no future unless they do bonkers money. Mm. I think a few months ago, Ezra Miller was like released a statement that was apologizing and they said that they were working on their mental health and then basically has been just completely shut out of the promotion of this movie. This is what's crazy. So like... um Usually, when you have a summer blockbuster that has a superhero in it, the lead of that film is all over the place doing press to promote that movie and get a really big opening weekend. They can't do that with Ezra Miller because there's too much drama around Ezra. So all I've really seen are a bunch of trailers which point out that Michael Keaton makes a cameo. Interesting group. What's well, well, that what was supposed to be a surprise. Is that that Wait, was supposed, that was supposed to, be to be a surprise. That's supposed to be like the surprise. <laughs> I already know. Is this a way to like make up for the fact that Ezra can't do press right now? I mean, I I mean that is not their official story, right? But like, 
anyone that watches these movies and knows like the way Hollywood works is like we are going to release all of like the surprises and the juicy bits and all this stuff so that you will see this movie in spite of its main star who were kind of like waiting to see how much this movie does before they cut them loose or they go yeah. on with them. And it's just kind of the weirdest strategy, right? Could you like, like, could you imagine Barbie without Margot Robbie? <laughs> like if Margot no. Robbie, if they were like, Margot Robbie's done, Margot Robbie, yeah. we're not seeing her for a year. Yeah. Okay. So the next question, why do it this way? Why have a summer blockbuster in which the lead can't promote the film? There are other situations where the film is just pushed or scrapped or reshot. Batgirl was totally canceled. The, the newest Avengers movie with Jonathan Majors has been delayed given his drama. Why this strategy from DC with Ezra? It makes no sense. It makes no sense and it doesn't really feel equal in that if you're comparing this to Jonathan Majors who was... I think arrested for domestic abuse and yeah. basically has gone through the press and like has seen a lot of his sponsorships drop. Like it's you could see like there is an unequal reaction to what's happening. Why do you think that is? I mean one of them's black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean racism. Yeah. And it's not saying that Jonathan Major should or like anyone that's like been arrested should like get the Ezra Miller treatment. It just it totally. should just be like like we should take these things seriously. Like this isn't just like it isn't like just shoplifting a candy bar. It's like yeah. there are I think families that filed protection orders against them. Yeah. For it's underage people. And it's just like yeah. well it's very weird that like okay well Jonathan Majors has seen basically his career put to a halt, and then this is still going on. Totally. All right, what we haven't talked about yet, Alex, is whether or not this movie is actually good. DC is saying it's phenomenal. What do you think? I mean, my mom thinks I'm phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mom, but it's just like, well, of course DC is going to say that. I I mean, I saw the movie... It is fun. The Michael, okay. like Michael Keaton zipping around with the Danny Elfman score. I mean, who, like, if you're a millennial of a certain age or a Gen Xer of a certain yeah. age, it's going to get you. But yeah. is it the best multiverse movie out there? Like, and I'm so sick of the multiverse. Like, I'm, like, you know, do you remember, like, when Sex and City was going on? They were just like, New York is like the fifth character. Ugh. The multiverse is basically the fifth character in all these superhero movies. Is too much. Well, and, and and like at a certain point, it starts to feel cheap because it's just used to continue IP extension. Right. In a multiverse, no one ever dies. No, <laughs> no. one ever has to go away and they can always be resurfaced. And I'm going to be honest, I had my fill of the multiverse with everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Good for that movie. Good for those Oscars. Let's find the next thing. I'm multiversed out. The multiverse has won an Oscar. Move on. <laughs> right. The multi, well, I will say, are we okay. allowed? Am I allowed to say that like across the Spider Verse probably is the best use of like oh, that's a multiverse? The one. That's like, the one. Yeah, because it's just like I think the thing with these movies and the Flash is guilty of it too is like these movies promise like endless worlds of like limitless possibility, right? Mm-hmm. But then like when you actually look with the multiverses, it's just like the same world. It's the with same the, world with, with the, the same characters with over the, and over yeah. and over again. And it's like, I don't want to see that. I want to see, I want to like, if you're going to give me a multiverse, give me like, like an octopus splash, right? Or give me yes. something weird yes. and wacky and just like take a big swing. Yes. Do yes. not give me the same, the same like four people being like, okay, well, there's. We're there's back, an, we're back, yeah, we're back. Yeah. So I guess to wrap up this segment, 
everything about this movie, The Flash, I find disturbing. I find the fact that it's getting released after Ezra Miller's drama disturbing. I find the fact that DC wants to use this to become Marvel number two disturbing. I find that the way Ezra is treated compared to Jonathan Majors is disturbing. Nothing about The Flash makes me feel good. Not even Michael Keaton. Well, wait wait until you figure out that there's weird CGI happening with dead past Warner oh, Brothers Lord. actors. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, after the break, Alex and I talk about HBO's The Idol, a truly horrible show. I also want to remind you, listeners, we have a summer book club. We're going to be reading Brandon Taylor's new book. It's called The Late Americans. Read it now. Read it next month because we're going to talk about it with Brandon on the show in August. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. A show that need not have a multiverse ever, ever, ever. Uh, It's on HBO right now. It's called The Idol. Two episodes are currently out. And I got to say, Alex, it is one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. Set this show up for our listeners. What is it? Who is it? And why? I mean, it is a show that's basically a commentary on Britney Spears that doesn't want you to... Also, leave her alone. We've talked <laughs> enough about Britney. Is there anything new to say about Britney Spears? Well, leave I mean, Britney alone. Exactly. And, but it will. it's too cool, or it thinks it's too cool to ever tell you that it's about Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's basically comes from the director, the showrunner of uh, the HBO show euphoria which is high schoolers who aren't really like high schoolers like they're dealing with a lot they're grown. Of, yeah <laughs> yeah they're, they're like 30 year old high schoolers dealing with like adult problems and mm-hmm. it's just very, all of them are on drugs all of them have problems yeah lots of sex lots of just like it's it's a show that's more vibes than content like it's a show that's more vibes i say to my vibe. friends that euphoria is actually just a long-form music video Right. That's per- that is basically what the idol is, except it's okay. even more on the nose about what happens to a pop starlet when she yes. falls from grace. Case in point, I'm just worried she's having another psychotic break. No, but no. she never had no. a psychotic break. Never had yeah. one. Oh, she was just exhausted. So this show, The Idol, it is a creation of Sam Levinson and The Weeknd, like the pop star. And the lead is Lily Rose Depp, who is Johnny Depp's daughter. Is that it? A Nepo baby, yes. Okay. And so she stars as this 
pop star who has just had a mental breakdown, but her team is trying to re-spark her career and get her another hit. Uh, in the midst of that, she meets a Hollywood cult leader played by The Weeknd. The reviews for this show are horrible. People involved with the show have said a lot of it felt like torture porn. I watched an episode and a half, and it <laughs> was quite disturbing to me. Some of the depictions of sex and drug use were just really, really troubling. How bad is this show? I mean, I think the the thing about this show is that the from the very first bat, like, who is the biggest pop star in the world named Jocelyn? Like, in what world does the name Jocelyn... <laughs> Also, like who, if you she's the like biggest pop star in the yeah. Like, also, if she's the biggest pop star in the world, why are, why are the songs they have for her in the show so horrible? They're, <laughs> they're so horrible. They're so horrible, but they come around back to being like good horrible because they're so bad, and it's just like the most <laughs> innocuous lyrics. I'm just But it's also, yeah, like who in the in what world are we propping up a woman like a white girl named Jocelyn and being like, wow, she's the baddie. Like she is she is up there with Rihanna and Beyonce. Jocelyn. <laughs> Jocelyn works in finance. Jocelyn, <laughs> Jocelyn, Jocelyn is in HR. <laughs> Jocelyn is in HR. <laughs> Jocelyn has to sign off on your vacation request, okay? Yeah, like she's not a pop star. Jocelyn sends you back your form and it's like, you didn't do this right. Please, and then like CC's your boss. That That's is the wrong Jocelyn. project code. That's Jocelyn. What's so weird about this, too? It's like one of the kind of accessory actresses on the show is a member of Blackpink, who mm -hmm. actually ends up in one of the episodes doing the choreo that Jocelyn's supposed to do better than Jocelyn can do it. It's all right. so weird. Well, I, it, I, think, like, it, I think what it is is that it's two different shows competing to be one show. Explain. You have... So basically, what Sam Levinson and The Weeknd have created is this kind of, and I think like if we, if we if we go all the way back, it premiered in Cannes, and it was basically when stuff premieres in Cannes, it's just like it's supposed to be edgy and buzzy. And then leading mm -hmm. up to the show, all that you heard was like, "We're going to shock you. We're going to just like it's we're taking TV to a place it's never been before." And you're just like, "Well, this is the guy who does Euphoria. It's going to be edgy. There's going to be lots of sex and lots of boobs and whatever." Um, and then when it came out, everyone was just like, this is what you, this is what, what all the hype was about. And then so like at the heart of it, there's a show about like this pop starlet's fall from grace, which is basically like any pop starlet. Like I think the, th the one that comes to mind is Britney. And mm -hmm. it's just like when she enters her bad girl era. Yeah. And so Jocelyn enters her bad girl era. She meets this guy named Tedros who is played by The Weeknd. And The Weeknd, the whole meta thing about The Weeknd is this is a guy who's also been a pop star, reinvented himself multiple times is a visual artist and like goes yeah. into full character when he sells an yeah. album. Yeah. And then you're like, I mean, that's an interesting story, right? Like I want to well, hear what this guy's thoughts on Hollywood and the music industry is. But you don't get that. What <laughs> no. you get is the weekend's character as this cult leader. He starts to manipulate the lead in ways that are really troubling and problematic. I mean, it'd be easier if I moved in. Yeah. For work purposes. I'd like that. There's a sexual tension between these two characters from the start. Right. But it's played out in really disturbing ways that have caused even folks involved with the show to call it torture porn. There's one scene where he, like, puts a plastic bag over the pop star's head and seems to, like, try to 
choke her out, but it's sexual and you're supposed to like, I don't know, it's really disturbing. And it seemed as if everything involved with this show from the start has been disturbing. So the first director of this project, she exited after shooting 80% of the show. And then Sam Levinson and The Weeknd came in to reshoot it. And they said the previous stuff that had been shot before had leaned too far into a, quote, female perspective. So there was weirdness from the start. The shoot was delayed. And now we have this thing that just feels like it's toxic to women i don't know it feels off man it feels off the the way i describe it is do you remember like teenage boys before like porn was available on the internet like they would like go on like the spice channel and watch like the scrambled wavy porn that was happening there or they'd like stay up and wait and like wait for like cinemax after dark oh my god this is that (laughs) (laughs) but much more expensive right it kind of feels like those boys made this show and somehow we're getting it through some kind of time warp and you're just like because I think the thing is, it's just like, there's really, I mean, the second part of the show, right, is that there is a record label that is dependent on Jocelyn to sell a bunch of, like, records. And, sell, and like, mm-hmm. there's an interesting thing there with, and her record label exec is played by Jane Adams, who's doing an amazing job. Her, um, but she's in a different show. She's like, the, they all are acting as if they're in right. different shows. They're, they're in a comedy, basically. It's like, <laughs> it, and that's a good show, whatever the record label is in, because <laughs> it's basically V. Oh, will you let people enjoy sex, drugs, and hot girls, okay? Stop trying to cockblock America. No, Nikki, I'm not so And you're just like, and they're just like, how do you deal with this pop star who doesn't really have a talent? Like, she's not very no. good. She's not good at singing, not good at dancing. She's cute and people care about her, but like, but that's wouldn't about it. you love that show if it was just like a veep about like a bad pop star? Like, that is a funny show that they oh, accidentally yeah. made trying to but sell this us show all the sex. Yeah, this show can't make fun of itself. It needs no. to make fun of itself. <laughs> so the premiere of The Idol has total about 3.6 million viewers. Um, that's not great. Is this show a hit? Does HBO say this show is a hit? Is it capturing the zeitgeist in the way that Sam Levinson and The Weeknd hoped it would? I do not think it's a hit. I do okay. think I do okay. think we've been trained by HBO to be like, we need a Sunday show. And, I think and they that, just keep giving us Sunday shows. And it's well, like, well, White I mean, Lotus is over. Here's a new one. Or, well, it's like, or like White Lotus, Succession, and then, you yes. have, and then Succession left, and it left on that high note. And then they were just like, we're going to give you the idol. And everyone was kind of trained to be on like Sunday night duty, right? Like 9 p.m. Sunday night. Let's he- let's like fire up the HBO. And yeah. then this comes on and you're just like, oh, I don't think this is this is not the same. One of these is yeah. not the same. Uh, okay. Okay. We can hate All watch, right. right? That's Is that allowed? Do Intuit. <laughs> do Intuit. Intuit hate to, watch. Intuit hate let's watch. Let's do it. Let's start it. The Intuit. Hate Watch Club is officially called to order. Let's meet up on Twitter next Sunday. (laughs) DM me your thoughts. Please tell me. Yes, yes. All right. So we've had a discussion of a movie and a show that are so-so, which means I want to end talking about a show that is actually freaking phenomenal. I'm talking about The Ultimatum, Queer Love. What is this show? It has fully incepted me. It is bonkers, (laughs) insane, and some of the best TV I've seen this year. Wait, why do you think it's the best? It's high drama. High, (laughs) high, high drama. So how do we set this show up? 
it is a reality show in which, is it five or six couples? Five couples? Five couples. Five queer couples. Five lesbian couples. Uh, come to this reality show with an ultimatum. I feel like I found my person. You'll choose someone and move in together in a trial marriage. And then you'll do the same thing all over again with the person that you arrived with. And whether you leave here engaged, single, or newly in love, each of you will decide what your future holds. One of the partners wants to get married. The other one has cold feet. And to figure out if they should get married or not, all the couples break up and start dating other people that have come down there. And then they choose their new partners, and they have a practice marriage with those new partners for three weeks. Then after those three weeks, they can decide if they want to marry the new partner, if they want to go back to the old partner and marry them, or if they want to be single. And let me tell you, (laughs) I never knew lesbians could be so messy, but I love it. Give me the popcorn. This is peak for me. I love it. Do you like it? Well, it's so weird because you're just like, well, I feel like coming onto the show, like when you sign like the waiver and you sign the agreement, you're basically saying you're basically kissing your relationship goodbye. You're saying F my relationship. Right. Like Like, in what in what world does it make sense for a couple that is talking about marriage to go on a reality show and say, let's break it up for three weeks and then come go back to each other while it's all on camera with all Yo. these, other, and then it's just like all the couples know each other, which I think is the conceit of it. Like that's a big part of it. Is like they all enter it knowing each other and knowing that they're going to date each other and knowing that their partners are all going to date each other. Yeah, it's and wild. Then it's just like for three weeks you have to pretend to be married to someone, which is like what does that even mean to pretend to be married to someone? It means because <laughs> queer love is like this. It means that a few of the couples bring their dogs. <laughs> For right. the three weeks. Right. And the dogs become a big topic of tension. There are fights over like whether the dog can be in the bed. I'm like, oh, this is peak queer. This is so queer. The, the dog then, should, wait, hold on. The dog should never be in the bed. Like the dog has dirt from the outside. If you're so asking do you. a stranger, yeah. so do you. If you're asking so a stranger you. to sleep in your bed, you cannot ask them to sleep with the dog in the bed. Well, I, 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 that, Tiff, that is a who red I love, flag. That Tiff is a got red into flag. a fight with their new partner. <laughs> Because they were like, my dog is my child, and you will respect my dog. It right. was peak queer. I don't care if you have the most gorgeous face, the most gorgeous body, the most gorgeous personality, and the most supportive system. If you don't like my dog, you can get the fuck out. I mean, what's also kind of fascinating about this show is that like, there's a lot of therapy speak. And there's a lot of ther- therapy speak that's, like, weaponized. That's, like... Yo, it's funny. I was watching more of this with my partner last night, and he is a therapist. And halfway through one of the episodes, he was like, oh, I can tell that all these people have gone to therapy. To which I said, everyone except Vanessa. <laughs> everyone except Vanessa. Vanessa is just here for... Vanessa, who is maybe an influencer and, may- uh. and, is, and is very, very attractive, kind of looks like an Adina Menzel, like... Oh, creature. Yeah. Comes on the show and she's just like basically like, oh yeah, does everyone want to fuck? And everyone's like, no, we're, we want to get married. And she's just like, oh, okay. I thought this was a different show. I thought this was a different vibe. Two favorite people, definitely Lexi, but I'm also really into her ex girlfriend, Ray. <laughs> it's a shit show. <laughs> 
And then everyone's yeah. just it's like, oh, she's the villain. She's not she here gets, for the right. She's not here for the right intentions. And you're just like, oh, what yeah. is what is the right intentions of a show that's asking you to blow up and crater your relationship? Exactly. At least Vanessa keeps it real. So Vanessa, she comes in hot, and before you know it, she's dating two partners who were together <laughs> and is very open in saying, I'm dating both of them and what? Yeah. Um, she gets matched up with someone. She's trying to get in those pants right away. Eventually, other couples and other folks that are on the show try to call her out. It's a mess. It's wild. The messiest. But it's also like, if like, isn't that the true like sign of equality? If like queer people can get on a Netflix dating show and just be super messy? Like we haven't, we don't really have like any big network dating shows that focus on queer people. I mean, yeah, there are lots of things that <laughs> queer people don't have that straight people have that I don't want. Right, right. I will say I love this show for disproving every funny yet rude stereotype we have about queer couples, lesbian couples. This idea of, you know, the U-Haul shows up on the second date. This <laughs> idea of partnering for life and being sedate and quiet. No, buddy. This no, ain't this it. This is mess. This is this different. Is mess. This is mess. <laughs> so we've talked about the three big topics that I wanted to talk about this week. The DC comic book movie, The Flash. The HBO pop star drama, The Idol. And the Netflix queer dating show, Ultimatum Queer Love. I feel like your verdict on all three of these is see The Flash if you want to. Definitely skip the idol, but for sure, for sure, watch Queer Ultimatum. Yes. It's a nice binge to have. And it's like, well, and the consequences are so low. Like, it's just like these so people were going to break up anyway. Like, mm -hmm. no, like no one yeah. is going on this show to save the relationship. Exactly. Except maybe Aussie. But like, no one is. Oh, on <laughs> Aussie. Aussie needs years of work. Aussie's way to avoid it. Right. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, to cleanse the vibes, I want to play you a new song that is my kind of bop of the week. Hi, Big Frida. Hi, Gracie. Big Frida and a YouTube kid show. They made a song together. I can't even, there are no words for it. It's just really, really good. Can we play a little bit of it for Alex? Let's roll, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll the boat. You hear that bass? Oh my god, the bounce. The bounce is yes. so good. Listen, if the idol had songs like this, I'd watch. If Beyonce needs to put that on the Renaissance tour. Yo, I will be back <laughs> in the stadium if Beyonce does that. Uh, let's roll the credits on that note. Beyonce and Big Frida doing a Gracie's Corner song about rowing the boat. I like that idea. <laughs> Into It is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. My wonderful guest this week is Alex Abad Santos. He writes about culture for Vox. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we're back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Till then, keep rowing your boats. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. 
In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.